This is Giancarlo, the host of the Web3 Artist Spotlight. This episode of the podcast was recorded live on Friday, January 6, 2023, via Twitter Space. In this episode, I interviewed artist, breathwork facilitator, and formal pro rugby player for the Seattle Seawolves, Sequoia Burke Combs. Sequoia creates vibrantly expressive art that spans many themes and conveys a wide range of emotions. In the episode, he spoke about the art, the breath, and the shadow. And we touched on topics of mental health, overcoming adversity, and also healing from past traumas. Links to Sequoia's art and socials are provided in the podcast notes, and I hope you enjoy this very special episode. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining today, everyone, and thank you, Sequoia, for joining me in the space today. Uh, so incredibly excited to be here. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, very excited to see what unfolds uh, during this conversation. Me too, man. Me too. I I'm a you know a big fan of a lot of the content you share, man. I think it's just so thought provoking, so thoughtful. Um, I know we also share a lot of similar interests in the areas of like you know mental health and um, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to see uh, you know where where we go with this uh, with this conversation. I think it's going to be of a lot of value to, to the people that are going to be tuning in. So um, I, I know we have already a few listeners that, uh, that have joined the space. appreciate you guys being here today. To kick it off a little bit with just a, a quick introduction about, you know, the, the you know, kind of why I do the spaces. Um, then, you know, we'll, we'll jump into just having a dialogue conversation uh, with Sequoia. And then um, I, I love having, you know, some interaction from people in the audience. So, if you guys want to come up, ask some questions, just tell us how you're doing, share some comments, you know, whatever, whatever it is you want to say, uh, feel free uh, to request uh, later on. I'll, I'll give a cue for that. And uh, I would love to have you on and be part of the conversation as well. Um, so, yeah, this is just basically a you know, weekly space that I started uh, where I wanted to just, you know, interview and highlight the amazing work of, you know, Web3 artists. And really just hoping that, you know, through this, this space, you know, people could get to know, you know, certain artists better, you know, a little bit more about their story, you know, what inspires them, what drives them, uh, reach hopefully some new audiences and or maybe inspire, you know, people in the audience that maybe have their own creative, you know, passions to maybe start a journey of their own, you know, and pursue something as well. And, and I think also just hearing from, you know, we could always learn from other people's stories and things that they've gone through. So I think it, it can also provide some some education um, in the process. And um, I made this a very inclusive space, you know, so I like to welcome artists of, you know, all nationalities, backgrounds, artistic styles, you know, don't care about how many followers they have. I really just want to celebrate, you know, how art and creativity brings us all together. And, um, and yeah, we're all just, you know, human beings in this earth trying to do life together. So appreciate all of you being here, listening in today. And uh, again, want to, you know, give a, a big thank you to you, Sequoia, for coming and being my, my speaker. And also, because uh, I know ahead of time, uh, you did agree uh, to, to, to go, to dive deep with me on some topics that I think some people typically may shy away from, you know, so um, I, I'd love to be able to, to, to dive a little bit deeper, you know, and get to know you and, and, and your inspiration and your art a little bit more. So, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I really appreciate having you here, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I'd like to just start out uh, just thanking everyone who's here, um, you know, to those I've already known and those that I will get to know here in the future. Um, and to you, Jan, just, you know, being so open to just having artists on the space, right? Like I joined this, I've been doing art for, you know, quite a few years, taking it professionally um, as of late, but you know, you just being open to having anyone on the space uh, was just awesome. You just had a post, you're like, you know, does anyone need help assistance? And I, you know, raised my hand and you're like, you know, what do you want? Like repost, reshare, do you want to come talk on the space? And I said, you know, all of the above and just you being so open to having me and you know, what you're just doing in the realm of creativity and just, you know, hopefully what can continue to happen in Twitter is just uh, open dialogues. And as you mentioned, you know, we'll be touching on some subjects that, you know, perhaps some people may shy away from. Um, so I'm happy for the opportunity to be able to kind of go into that shadow uh, mm -hmm. and have those conversations about things. 
Yeah, no, I love it. I love it, man. So maybe let, let's kick it off with just, um, you know, spend about three to five minutes and maybe briefly tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like who, who is Sequoia? Give us a little bit of an insight into your story and, and how you came to, you know, the art world and now more recently, you know, NFTs and Web3. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll try to keep it uh, brief and short here. Uh, for me, uh, born and raised in uh, just outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, given this glorious name Sequoia, which I think uh, has some pressure with it as well. But um, uh, I was born into a home of uh, some trouble and some issues. Uh, my mother and father were both kind of uh, in the realm of drugs, addiction. Uh, my father was in and out of jail uh, pretty often growing up. Uh, my mother was never really home. Uh, my sister, who was about eight years old, uh, essentially was my mother for my first few years of life um, while my mother was, you know, off doing whatever she may have done. Um, but eventually uh, her addiction and depression got to a point where uh, she actually had committed suicide uh, when I was three years old. Um, as a three-year-old, uh, you know, just speaking psychologically, I really couldn't even process or know what was happening at that point. Um, one thing I did know was expression, though, as a child, as I started to develop. So I actually was uh, painting or sketching ghosts uh, and angels, um, calling them mom. Uh, and I think that was kind of the first expression, first step for me into this realm of art. Uh, that continued uh, throughout my life. Uh, I was pretty quiet growing up, uh, but I always had these different forms of expression, uh, art being the main one of those. Uh, and then as I got older, um, I realized that I was pretty athletic. Uh, so I started getting into sports. You know, I did all the sports, football, track, wrestling. Uh, I even did cheerleading for a little bit. I would play soccer, volleyball. Um, got to a point where I could take sports professionally. I moved out to Seattle uh, and played professional uh, rugby for a few years with the Seattle Seawolves. Uh, we won two championships, uh, some pretty glorious times. Uh, but I also found that uh, it wasn't necessarily fulfilling my heart's desire and my calling. Uh, art was kind of always in the background. And as I started doing professional sports, um, the amount of art that I was actually doing increased as well. Um, and there was kind of this, this I'll call it a tipping point or a come to God moment. But uh, it was my last year playing, which would have been 2019. Um, but I ended up snapping my thumb in half uh, on a play right before we went to the playoffs. In uh, the entirety of my life, when I got as an athlete, if anyone's an athlete or, you know, whatever you may do, sports, athletics, um, your first reaction when you get injured is, you know, I can't play. Um, or what am I going to do to get myself back on the field, uh, right? This kind of fight or flight survival mode. Um, for the first time in my life, my first instinct when I snapped my thumb was not, oh man, I'm not going to be able to play in the playoffs and potentially for another championship. It was, oh shit, um, I've, got an, I've got an art show. My first art gallery um, is being opened in two weeks. I was like, how am I going to paint? Like, what am I going to do? And for me, that was this really eye-opening perspective shift in which I realized that sports were no longer that, that main form of expression for me. Um, I saw that art was something in which I could not only express myself, but hopefully through my artwork, uh, expressing not only my trauma uh, and my shadow, but also my light through artwork and the beautiful expression of life uh, that I could hopefully inspire others, um, perhaps even individuals who had uh, hard upbringings or trauma that they were working through in their own life. But it was the first time I saw that my life was so much more than just sports and that I was really stepping into art. Um, at that point, you know, I really applied myself to it, uh, starting applying for a lot more galleries, doing commissions, sketching, taking classes, reading books. Um, then through these last few years, I've just been uh, very curious into the realm of art, uh, getting to know more about painting, sketching. Uh, recently, you know, digital art, NFTs, uh, really not holding myself to any one form um, because I don't think creativity has bounds, right? For me, I think creativity is something that moves through all forces in life. You know, if you want to 
go out and dance, right? That's a creative expression. If you want to, you know, do woodworking, if you want to paint, if you want to do printmaking, whatever it may be. So just keeping myself open to the process. And uh, now we're here. Um, so wow. that is my, my short description, hopefully. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for, for sharing a, that with us and, and walking us through that. And I'm also so incredibly sorry, you know, for you know, what must have been such a hard childhood. I mean, with, with your, you know, father in and out of jail, your mother you know, taking her life and, you know, having to have your, your sister, you know, play, play the role of a mother at such a young age. Um, you know, that's, you know, I mean, just, just so sorry to hear that you had to go through that. But it's also amazing to me that, um, you know, you, you were able to, you know, still, you know, you know, you know, kind of persevere through those challenges, right? And and then you know, still be able to have then like an athletic career and do you know pro rugby and and that it's nice that you had the art side of things, you know, to kind of um, you know help you express your your emotions and and, uh, and 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 you kind of found the passion in that, and that was something that kind of always stuck with you. So that's that's really cool, and it's um, lo love to see that and hear that that that's something that you kind of always had with you and, and has been a, a calling of yours. But man, so sorry about you know everything you had to go through in your upbringing. Sounds, I mean, must have been so incredibly difficult. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was extremely difficult for me. What it really opened my eyes to, uh, and this is. Ever since I was a young child, I've actually been pretty open and willing to talk about the fact that my mother had committed suicide. Uh, then when I was seven years old, uh, my brother actually committed suicide as well. Um, I would be very open, vulnerable, transparent, and right, people's reaction would normally be right to start crying, uh, saying I'm sorry, all these things, which is a perfectly welcome uh, response to such a situation. Um, but for me, I actually saw a lot of light and transformation um, through these hardships that had taken place in my life. Um, for instance, I was being raised in a definitely pretty toxic home. Um, you know, when my mother had taken her life, uh, my father actually made the decision that he could not be my caregiver uh, and actually had let my aunt and uncle uh, adopt me. Um, and that, you know, was one of the best things, at least in my perception now, that could have happened in my life because they are two extremely uh, loving, open, you know, completely unconditional, loving people. You know, that doesn't mean they don't have their own shadows and their own issues. But through that moment, it brought me to a new door. And through different opportunities in life, I think a thing that I continually try to see, you know, it's not this, you know, quote unquote, everything happens for a reason, because that can have its uh, own pitfalls in itself in terms of ignoring mm -hmm. the pain and the issues. Uh, more so this idea of, you know, when you really open yourself, truly open yourself, and sometimes that can mean breaking your heart open, uh, which will allow for growth, but it's definitely very painful. Um, you can see that in every light and shadow, right, there is an opportunity to grow, um, to step more into yourself. And for me, uh, really realize the beauty in life, right? You know, uh, much less severe uh, analogy I'll give is, you know, if every day you experience super sunny weather, you know, you're not really going to come to appreciate sunny weather. Um, but, you know, let's say you lived in Seattle, where I did for about seven years. If every single day it's raining and gloomy outside, when the sun finally does come out, you learn to love and appreciate it mm -hmm. all the more. So for me, starting my life out with, you know, such suffering and pain, uh, let's call it shadows or clouds in this sense, I really did come to appreciate the smallest of things of life, you know, whether it be a flower, a bee, um, just little smiles and hugs, those things gain so much more value for me. Um, and that is thus something I tried to really um, put forward in my artwork. Man, I, I love that so much. And, and um, although my my life is not, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's different than, than yours. I, I did go through a lot of very difficult and dark periods early on in my life. Um, you know, I also had kind of, a, you know, well, absent father and a, um, you know, was kind of had a, like an abusive, you know, stepfather in my house. And, um, but what you say is so true, you know, so I, I went through so much darkness 
and so much difficulty that when I was able to get to the other side of that, um, it made me be able to appreciate the good, you know, and, and just have so much, so much of a better level or higher level of gratitude, right. For, for, for everything. Right. And I love that you were talking about, you know, just like if you're living in you know, Seattle and the cloudiness and, and, you know, then when you see that sunshine, you can, you, you really, really appreciate and value it, you know? So, so I, I can definitely relate from that perspective, um, you know, just coming, coming out of that shadow, right. And, and, and then that darkness and, and really appreciating the light on the other side. So, man, that's, that's beautiful. And I'm, I'm so glad that you have that, that perspective, you know, now as well, man, that's, that's, that's amazing. So amazing. Absolutely. And I think it's important, right, to keep in mind that everyone suffers uh, in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, like we may not even always be able to relate uh, and we don't necessarily need to relate. I think the important mm-hmm. thing is to really just have compassion for everyone because, right, um, what, you know, maybe a loss of a mother or brother, you know, in my own experience is, you know, really, really difficult and hard, but we have to realize that in someone's own worldview and perception, right, the loss of an animal or, you know, something Mm -hmm. not going their way, that suffering and that pain can be felt just as deeply to them, right? So it's, it's everyone has their own perception and their own lens on life. Uh, So to really keep ourselves open and compassionate and really not get to a point where we're comparing um, more so just accepting and loving people for exactly who they are whatever their experience is. Um, and actually, you know, through the realm of suffering, we're actually all, you know, connected, which is a very interesting thing. But because of that, uh, we can really have love for one another, knowing that we all have our struggles and hopefully can find gratitude and appreciation for all that life has to give us. Yeah, man. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I agree. And, and exactly everyone's, you know, pain is, and, and, the things they go through are valid, right? And, and their feelings are valid. And it's not about comparing, but accepting. So no, I to- totally agree with what you said there for sure. Um, you know, one, one topic I wanted to touch on, and I know, Anna, you asked the question. I'll, maybe I'll come at, come to it after. Um, uh, but you know, thank you for, for sharing your question there as well in the, in the chat. Um, you know, I, um, you know, you know, I've gone through some of the things that you've shared and you've posted, um, and, and you did talk about a little bit in the intro, right. That you, you became kind of a, um, you know, a pro, uh, rugby player, you know, for a while and, and, and that you saw a lot of, uh, the fact that you were, you know, really good at very athletic and good at sports, you know, that this was like a big part of you. Right. And, and one thing that I've, I found kind of interesting in observation is, is this thing around, you know, like our personal identity. Right. And, and I've noticed that, um, Unfortunately, actually, to some extent, that many times people kind of, you know, really begin to identify themselves, you know, and, and even value themselves based on like what they do, right? And, and, and you know, or what they're capable of. Um, and a message I typically like to emphasize for people is that, you know, we as human beings, you know, have intrinsic value by the mere fact that that we exist, Right. That you know our, our value and, and and sometimes even who we are right is not defined necessarily by 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 what we do or what we're capable of and things like that and and one thing that I found is that sometimes when people you know maybe are very you know have their identity very closely tied with like let's say their their profession or or if they played sports or something like that then the moment that that maybe gets taken away, whether they, because they lose their job or in your case, you know, if you have a, a, an injury that then maybe prevents you from being able to play again, they, they go through a lot of, of struggle, right? Like almost like an identity crisis because it's like, well, who, who am I if I, if I can't do this? And um, I saw that you shared, I was going to pin this up as well because you posted something about, you know, your kind of throwback tweet about in 2019 that your identity was pro rugby and that you were, you know, physically fit, but torn and broken, mentally focused, but lost. And I, I wanted to maybe see if you could give us a little more, you know, context about the tweet and then, um, you know, and, 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 and did that actually kind of have an impact also on you from a, an identity standpoint as well? And, you know, just curious how you overcame some of that. Oh, wow. Well, you know, you know, when you get really excited about something and you just feel that energy within you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> As soon as you started talking, I could tell that you were going to ask this. Um, and I actually see that, uh, you know, my friend uh, Dion is actually on this call as well. Um, he played professional rugby with me. Um, and Hurricane Soto is also on this call. But uh, a topic that they've heard me 
commonly talk about is this idea of uh, boxes and identities and how, Mm -hmm. right, uh, in many places in life, uh, we are put within a certain box uh, framework. This could go anything from politics, right, Democrat, Republican. It could be what you're doing with your sports. Uh, It could be literally what your favorite color or what your favorite food is. Um, And then the thing is people right? We become conditioned. People tell us so much and we start to feel like I'm an athlete, I'm an athlete, I'm an athlete. And then all of a sudden, right, let's say I'm a professional linebacker. Um, I'm a professional linebacker my whole life. Uh, and then one day I tear my ACL um, and I can't play sports again. Now, all of a sudden, that identity that you've created in your life is gone, right? But I think this is the thing that's important. It's, you know, you, your identity, your spirit is not attached and limited by one thing, right? If we want to start to get into the spiritual realm, um, we are infinite, expansive beings, right? Your spirit can move through any one thing, right? Like Bruce Lee, be like water. You put, you put water in a cup, it becomes a cup, right? You put in a glass, it becomes a glass. It's like we don't need to be identified by one specific thing and the thing that's important for me at least to keep in mind is it's essentially just shifting right so it's you know maybe I was an athlete but what I was really good at in my sport was communication right picking people up being able to take the extra step or the extra mile you know or maybe I was a really good uh, motivational speaker right like maybe I always did the pump up speeches before games well what's saying you can't take those same skills and become a preacher or a reverend or a motivational speaker, you know, maybe a CEO of a business. It's, it's essentially taking these core components of who we are and being able to fit them into different components of our life. Um, you know, a, a separate shout out uh, with Dion, who's on this call. We actually have an apparel business that's called Canvas Collective. Um, it's an apparel business, you know, driven towards supporting community Um, really connecting individuals. And a big thing for us is, you know, we essentially want to connect. We don't want to be the car uh, nor the road. We want to be the light. We want to show people the interconnectedness between all things. And I think this goes to what you were speaking of identity is realizing that we are more than just the boxes we put ourselves in. And that could maybe even be something that's a short-term thing. Um, so when life does give us an opportunity and I like to call them opportunities instead of challenges or bad things or, you know, breaking my thumb, you know, what's next on the horizon? What does this give you the opportunity to grow into based on what you've learned in the past? Um, that's my somewhat short part. And then I'll go to what you were talking about of, you know, uh, the image that I shared, if you had anything to express back. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I love that answer. And I love that how you were talking about us being kind of like water and flowing, you know, and because uh, I think uh, it fits a little bit nicely with how you were illustrating this point, right, that we can we can kind of take our, our being and almost flow and fit into different, you know, into, into different molds, shapes, whatever, right? You know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be a, a, um, a fixed state, right? So, so no, lo- love that, that point you made there. Um, you know, around that, right. That, that it's, that it's not. And, and it's funny, interestingly enough too, I, I, I've been listening to, to this book. Um, probably a lot of people have heard about it, you know, like atomic habits, but there was one thing that it was mentioning in there that, um, you know, cause a lot of times like we may identify with a lot of the, the habits and the things that we do regularly, but sometimes that is important to be able to, to have like a broader view of your identity, like kind of what you're talking about, right? Like instead of saying, okay, I'm just an athlete, you know, I'm, I'm a good communicator, you know, so because then you can take those things, right. And then, and then it could apply to a lot of other stuff, right. And, and you're not, you're not so boxed into, uh, you know, one specific thing. So I don't love the answer and, and thank you for that. And, and I loved also the point about, you know, the, uh, looking at the perspective, right. Of, uh, challenges being more of uh, you know, opportunities, right. That's, uh, love that. Uh, go ahead. Absolutely. And right. Um, going to what you were mentioning with this original picture I posted. Um, it's fortunately something that's actually been uh, increasing uh, in the amount we're seeing it is actually athletes talking about mental health, right? We saw it in gymnastics in the last Olympics. Um, we've seen it with tennis as well. People stepping away from the sport and saying that they need to work on their mental health. Um, 
I think one downfall for me in my own experience of sports is that sports give you the opportunity to hyper fixate on the sport and the game itself while not actually taking the time to be silent, reflect, and understand what the actual motivation is behind that sport, right? So a lot of people, maybe they were traumatized or had something happen, bad, bad happen as a child. Maybe their father was abusive. Um, some people might get into sports as an outlet to let out that aggression, um, right? Maybe they actually imagine being able to, you know, hit their father or be this strong person that they weren't able to be as a child. And that is actually playing out in their sports throughout their life. The issue is when, for me at least, when we don't actually take the time to soften into uh, and understand the actual, actual foundation of these motivations, um, that issue is going to stay there and it's going to continue to grow and rot and get to a point where right mental health mental health becomes a point where you want to keep playing the sport so you don't have to face that looming shadow behind you um, but that's the issue someday those sports will come to an end um, and you're going to have to face that shadow that issue that hardship so I think for me that's a lot where vulnerability and having these conversations happen have um, and it's the same thing of, you know, that image that we put on uh, social media is a very, very good example of this, right? Might be a picture of me being happy at the beach or, you know, a picture of me as an athlete winning a champion. Um, but what's happening behind the scenes, right? That doesn't mean that that person's happy and go lucky. That person might be making $10 million a year. That doesn't mean their life is good, right? So it's this idea of really being able to peel back the layers uh, and for me, be really being vulnerable about the things that are happening in our life because um, things have, especially over these last few years, when it comes to mental health, you can look at the statistics of suicides and depression, whatever may have you. Um, these last few years, they have continued to increase, yet the amount that people are having these conversations um, is not increasing. So how do we as leaders, artists, collaborators, community builders, get people to a place where they are open to share and be vulnerable with us to talk about these issues and these hardships? Because everyone has them, whether they're an athlete, a piano player, uh, someone sitting behind a desk working a, a job, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has these issues and problems. So for me, a really large thing is expressing those things, or at least giving people the space to express those things, just holding the space. Sometimes all people need is a hug. <laughs> mm -hmm. Man. Yeah, that's so true. And um, I know actually, actually I was going to go with something else, but I think I want to, I want to kind of continue on this, this thread of thought. Um, you, you had recently shared something and I'm trying to find that maybe if you want to pin the tweet, <laughs> but I know you, you, you posted something that I thought was, was great, right. That, you know, that we need to normalize, you know, talking about not being okay. I think I just found it. Uh, shared. I just want to make sure people can see the tweet, right? So that you know, really like normalize not talking about like not being okay, right? And and really, you know, letting our our vulnerability, you know, pour out, you know, because I think what you said is so true, right? It, it's it's like a lot of times, um, and I talked about this actually in an earlier space um, here as well with somebody, but I think a lot of times, like you said, like people only share the highlight reel or positives, you know, when, um, of the things that maybe are going well. Right. And sometimes even when they're asked, like, you know, if, if something is not, not, not going great, people will just give kind of a canned response of like, uh, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not doing okay or whatever, but it's fine. You know, like they just kind of maybe brush it off and don't really give themselves maybe the opportunity to really express you know and and um and show really what what's going on you know and, and i think also what happens is that when people only see some of that stuff as well they may feel like they're alone in it right they may they may think like well maybe i'm the only one that's like struggling or maybe i'm the only one that's feeling kind of depressed or down or struggling with um self-confidence you know and 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 that's why i think it's like you said it's more important that we that we normalize that and we and we help other people see that it's that it's actually a lot more common than they think and that everybody goes through these ups and downs you know so um i, I love that i love that you posted this and and i was kind of curious also your thoughts on like you know what else do you think we can be doing more 
um, you know, to create that space for people to do this and, and normalize more of this, um, you know, in our, in our society and with other people. Absolutely. Um, and thank you for bringing up that post. Um, you know, I think if I were to think about what I can do as an individual that would help other people be more willing to share and be vulnerable themselves. Um, I don't think, right. I could create all the spaces in the world. I could talk about how mental health is important to talk about, but for other people to feel comfortable in that I have to share it myself. If I'm looking to be in a place in a world where my friends, those around me are, are more confident or more open to talk about their issues. I have to be more open and willing to talk about my own issues. Right. So I think what can be really be expressed is, you know, every individual, if it's something they're willing to take on is share, share some uncomfortable shit, right. You know, share something that you keep close to your heart that maybe keeps you up at night. That isn't the easiest thing for you to do. Um, share that to the world because in continuing to share those things that make us vulnerable, make us feel vulnerable and uncomfortable, well, guess what? We're going to actually become more comfortable in doing that and in becoming more comfortable with sharing those on those vulnerabilities and those things that make us uncomfortable in just being our own sovereign selves, fully ourselves, right? Not just the light components ourselves, but the light and the shadow of who we are, that's going to attract other people to do the exact same, right? Case in point, if all I share on social media is me doing, or what we see, if all people share is them being happy, them going to the beach, them doing those things, right? We are, we are beings who our ego will take on what others do. Then I'm therefore going to share things of me being happy, me doing these things, right? So take the opportunity to step out of the norm. And for me, stepping out of the norm is just being yourself. Like, I don't want to be normal at the end of the day. Like, I like being an outcast. I like being an oddball. I like being who I am. And in, as more people can come to the point of expressing who they are in both the things that bring them comfort and the things that bring them discomfort, more people will do that. And them just being authentically themselves. That is my honest opinion about it. Man. I love that so much, man. And I respect that tremendously. And I think on the, um, just kind of following on that, uh, this kind of goes to something I, I actually wanted to, to pin up and, and talk about as well. Um, let me just get this up here as well for people to, to see, right? So you, um, you know, and I, as I was preparing for this and just trying to you know learn a little bit more about your story and stuff like that, you know, I saw just, you, you do precisely what you were just preaching, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I saw you had shared this particular artwork that you created and, um, what I found fascinating about it, what I saw you, you had called that, I think, you know, self-worth and you, you shared a lot behind this on, on your, on your Instagram. Right. And, and, and you kind of mentioned that, you know, your whole life, you know, you felt like unworthy, right. And that you couldn't find the source for like all this like fear, anxiety, anger, all these things that, that you had going on. And um, I was curious if maybe you can share a little bit more about this particular piece of art and like what it means to you and, um, and how you got to that, to the place where, where you were able to, to, to create this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. And, you know, as always, uh, I, I just love the direction that you're able to go and uh, what you're weaving here. Um, you know, first off, I find that my artwork always comes pretty intuitively. Uh, I always see it in somewhat of a vision or a piece. Um, but I had I, I saw myself meditating uh, and I saw these roots reaching down and right at the same time reaching up, you know, and the quote with this is to reach for the light. We also must deepen into the darkness. Uh, we'll begin with just right trees. Um, plants in general, um, the greatest, grandest, largest trees um, are going to also have the deepest, the widest roots, right? To reach, to be stable, to reach for the light, we also must deepen into the darkness. Um, so now I'll talk about, you know, I'll be vulnerable and talk about my own picture and my own scene and where this was created. 
Um, so going back to what I was talking on earlier, um, so my mother had committed suicide when I was three years old. Um, what that did is make me feel unworthy of her love, right? So in losing my mother at a time when I was three or four years old, right, we're just starting to develop our brains and everything. Uh, I had lost that main component of myself that gave me nurturing uh, love, support, and that was gone. Now, of course, whether it was the correct response or not, that put me in a place, and this is what I found, right? This is something I didn't realize until after a, a deep breathwork session and my girlfriend who is uh, a medium uh, was able to unlock some layers for me. But I had lost a sense of self-worth. And at the end of the day, if, if you feel your own mother doesn't think you're worthy or you're not worthy of your own mother's love, that's going to that's going to play out in everything you do. I don't feel worthy that I can post my artwork into the world. I don't feel worthy that I can, you know, speak and communicate in groups. I don't feel a worth that, you know, maybe I could be a breathwork facilitator or I can voice my own opinion. And these things add up throughout your life. And for me, it got to a point where I felt pretty paralyzed in the things that I was doing. I didn't feel that I was worthy of the things that in my intuition and in my heart, I actually knew I could create and I could manifest, but there was this large wall in front of me. And I knew that there was a wall. I just didn't know what actually built this wall. I didn't know the foundation of it. I can take a few bricks off the top, but I want to be able to get to the root of it. And I found that had a lot to do with you know, losing my mother at a very young age, uh, as most traumas and projections we have in life, um, those are usually coming from the time when we were really, really little. Uh, so for me, I had to do some, some deep digging and, you know, realize that it was coming from this place of, you know, my mom's, my mom leaving me, but also coming to a place of, you know, she didn't do that in a selfish way to just leave me because she didn't love me, right? It was this sense of, stepping into this unconditional love and worthiness that, you know, I was worthy of her love. I am worthy of all these things. I just have to feel that and accept that. And for me, if we can, I could talk about this for a long time, but we get into the realm of shadow work and working with your inner child. Um, I actually had to go to my inner young child, uh, give him a hug send him my love and say that you are worthy. You are worthy of your love. And, you know, your mom, my mother's love is always there with me. In fact, in this act that your mom did, taking her own life, see the worth and the opportunities that have been birthed from that, that may have not been there had she actually stayed here, you know, in this human physical form. I hope that explains it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. And man, it's, it's, wow, it's, it's profound and, and beautiful. I mean, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I, I, I just, I love that, um, the metaphor of like the tree, right. And how, you know, you, in order to grow higher and closer to the light, you know, you need to, 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 to be able to have your roots and go down into the, into the darkness, man. I think that's, that's just so, so beautiful and so profound. Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Life is such an interesting, uh, beautiful thing. And, um, you know, I think one thing I like to talk about is uh, seeing life as this, every moment, every experience in our life is part of this grand tapestry, right? Our life is a tapestry. Um, and when we hyperfixate and look at, you know, maybe something that's uncomfortable, painful, we don't like, maybe it was a bad breakup. Maybe said someone said something shitty to us. Um, that is still a part of that tapestry. And when we hyperfixate and look super close at it, we may absolutely hate it. But, you know, if we're to go down the line, let's say, you know, we're at heaven's door, the realm to spirit. When we actually take a look at this whole tapestry of our life, we see that every single part of it is 100% vital to the beauty and fullness of the tapestry of who we are. So I think a lot of my life continually, right? Like I'm not at this point of 
enlightenment or anything of this point, but it's actually embodying that in every day and every moment. That doesn't mean you're not going to get mad. That doesn't mean you're not going to get angry. That doesn't mean something's not going to really, really hurt. But giving it the freedom to hurt. If you're angry, giving yourself the freedom to feel and really fully embody those things. And, you know, maybe that's something we can talk on later. But is this idea of uh, we a lot of people call it spiritual bypassing. Um, but it's this idea that, you know, let's say something really horrific happened to me, like, you know, uh, my mom dying or something like that. And being in a place where I'm like, you know, everything's okay, right? Being caught in this like positive mindset and not actually allowing yourself to feel and be in that pain because that's that's the twofold path of what can happen. Um, we can get to a place where we're being really, really vulnerable. But if you get to a place of being vulnerable and still say, it's okay, everything happens for a reason, uh, you know, I'm still being positive about that you are repressing so much of your being and who you are. You know, sadness is meant to be felt. Anger is meant to be felt. Grief, shame. For me, I think of all these things as I really like pictures and analogies and symbolism, but I think of all these emotions as literal guardians in our life, right? Anger is there for a specific reason. Fear is there for a specific reason. Joy, happiness, all these things are there for a specific reason. And when we cut a portion of that out of our life, you know, as I'll continue to touch on, we aren't fully embodying who we are and therefore we can't fully express ourselves. Going back to your question earlier of how do we get people to be more open about their pain, their vulnerability, you know, perhaps mental issues. Uh, we have to allow ourselves to, you know, express the fact that we are angry or sad, do so in a safe way, right? I'm not talking about rage um i'm talking about sacred anger which is slightly different well it's very different um but yeah just fully embodying all things that come into our experience and giving them the space to express themselves instead of pushing a component of it away like it's okay everything's fine yeah yeah no i i, I love what you said there you know and i think um man it, it brought like so many ideas to mind right now because um you know I'm a person that is a big believer in wanting to have a you know positive mindset and 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 you know and, and I think there, there's a, a place and importance in that right and, and and you know having hope and perspective. But what you said is so true, you know, and I think that's where the the trap or the the the, the issue happens sometimes is that you know we have to sometimes you know we have to allow ourselves to feel and express all of our emotions right and 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 it's important to not just you know kind of like push everything down below the surface you know because then you know you're doing more harm to yourself than than good um you know because and, and i've seen certain situations for example when somebody is like like this is an example of like somebody recently that, that, I, that I know that lost like a pet right and they, they were really you know, devastated. And sometimes you have people that mean well, and then they may make a message like, well, you know, it's, 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 you know, kind of like maybe like downplaying it and, 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 and saying like, well, you're, you're fine. You still have these other things, you know, you know, going on, or you still have this other pet and it's, it's going to be, you know, and, and like, you know, what I told the person is, is like, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's okay that you, 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 you know, if you need to grieve man, take some time and, and grieve and cry. I mean, this is, it is sad and it, and it hurts and it's important to, to feel that. Right. And, and not just, you know, try to brush it away, you know? So, so I think what you said is, is so true and it's so important that, that we really, um, we do that and we give ourselves the space to, to do that. And, and it actually reminded me a little bit of, uh, you know, that I, I have two young kids, so I you know, end up watching a lot of cartoon movies and things like that. But um, there's a really great one called, you know, Inside Out from uh, like Disney Pixar, you know, and, and actually that's one of the main points that they make, you know, is because like all the, they have these characters that are different emotions and there's like a, you know, a joy, a sadness or whatever. And, um, the joy character is always trying to push the sadness one away and say like, you're not important. You know, we, you know, we don't need you here, but ultimately in the end, it's like the sadness that is actually able to help, you know, the, the girl who's like the main character in the, in the story, you know, the, that all these emotions are like helping to like control that, that ends up ha helping her to really like connect and, and, and build a stronger bond like with her family, you know, and it's through, through this you know expression of sadness and, 
and 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 uh, you know sharing that collectively you know so I, I think it's you know it's a beautiful thing and and you know i love what you said about that that you know really uh, allowing ourselves to to feel all the emotions absolutely and you know yeah i mean that um, that movie is very powerful <laughs> you know a uh, mm -hmm. separate sideline i think i think pixar is pretty tapped into some things mm -hmm. uh, especially when we get into the realm of uh, expression and feelings if you've ever seen the movie soul you know we talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. right so you, the identity you create just as much as it can move creativity and expression uh it can also completely possess you right i'm sure as artists creatives parents lovers whatever it may be um there is a very thin line between obsession uh and passion and expression right like they they work together but to the same point, you can become lost in artwork, right? Like, you know, if there's fellow artists or people who love or appreciate, you know, dancing or walking or singing, like it could get to the point where, oh my gosh, it's been 12 hours and I haven't even looked up or I haven't drank water or I haven't done food. And like, oh my gosh, like my mom called me and all these things. And I think that's where there's this, there's such a thin, you know, life is all about dancing this edge, right? It, it's all a very thin edge, but it's really just finding balance in all these things we do. And the same thing as what we're talking about with emotions. It's not being all joy, you know, all sadness, all rage, um, you know, all sex, you know, all abstinence. It's for me, at least in my experience, it's, it's finding that balance, all right. And finding that balance that works for you because everyone is completely different. So it's not a, it's not a one size fit all mentality for all people. And, you know, you'd actually talked on something with um, your friend. This is something I've learned uh, deeply through my relationship, you know, uh, shout out to uh, the feminine spirit out there. And, you know, how a lot of masculine people uh, struggle with this is when my partner is, you know, feeling pain or sadness, or I've done something uh, to upset her or make her feel or she feels pain, therefore, uh, a lot in the old days, um, I used to be like, everything's okay. Like, you know, I didn't mean to do this. Like, and I would almost try to explain the situation, uh, invalidating her experience. Right. And, and that is another very large component of life. If someone is feeling pain and suffering to hold space and be there with them, I, I you know, as you'll continue, I love, analogies and symbolisms but for me it's um i i was let's say my girlfriend or my partner or my brother or sister is in their muck is in their suffering in their pain and i'm out here standing on the regular ground not in my muck um my reaction when someone when she would be feeling this pain or i've done something to upset her is like oh shit like let me pull you out of this muck like let me get you to this place where everything's okay that's where we get statements like, it's all going to be okay. Like, you know, you've still got this or this. Instead of just allowing myself to actually step down in that muck with, it, with her and actually just be in that space. Because that's what a lot of this world, that is what a lot of this world is lacking, in my opinion, right now, is putting ourselves in the muck, not letting, not drowning in the muck, but just being in that space of vulnerability with other people. Because when we can be vulnerable with ourselves, when we can be vulnerable with others, we're not going to try to fix things all the time. And I say masculine versus feminine because uh, a lot of masculine, um, we try to fix things, right? An, an issue comes up, like in society, we're taught, like, we can fix this, right? Like, you know, your car hasn't been working for 10 years, I can still fix this. Or, you know, we get to a sense of, you know, young boys and men a lot, um, crying isn't normal, right? Like suck it up, like, you know, be a man. Like these things are such toxic statement. I cry all the time. You know, that doesn't mean other men have to cry all the time, but shit, if you're not crying at all, you're like we said earlier, you're not expressing a lot of who you are. Like I'll never forget at, and this might be the case for others in this group as well, but it was my dad's, my adopted dad. So my uncle, his mom had died um, and it was the first time I ever saw him cry in his entire life. And it like completely blew me away. And I, I wasn't thinking of him as not being masculine or anything, but I looked at it and I was like, 
this is the first time I've ever seen him li- cry in his entire life. And it makes me think of like how much in our life, whether we may be male or female, are people not allowing themselves to be in that vulnerable state and just cry because when those emotions, those feelings do finally come up, um, it can be pretty crushing and pretty, mm-hmm. um, pretty overwhelming for a lot of people. So just find finding that balance, you know, and I always take a deep breath when I say find balance because it's not easy at all, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's extremely <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah, no, it can be, it can be so challenging. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll also use this time, uh, Anna, you had asked a question about um, how did you come to one drawing style? Uh, you have a beautiful gallery. Uh, the color scheme is all works are united by one style. Uh, it's an amazing art. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I've always struggled with, I don't really think I have one style. Uh, and every time I do a piece, um, they always look differently. They always look different to me. Um, so in terms of choosing one style, um, I think what I've done in my own experience is uh, just continued to express whatever I've enjoyed most in that moment. And somehow it's actually gotten to a point where it's pretty cohesive. Um, but I would say not, not being fixated on the idea that I need to create one style and just creating what comes to me. And eventually I've gotten to a point where that's what actually feels most expressive and comfortable uh, in my experience. Uh, I hope that somewhat answers Anna. And thank you. Thank you for the question, Anna. And by the way, now if anybody wants to come up and, um, you know, just share your thoughts, ask a question, feel free to request, you know, I'd love to also get some participation from, you know, people in the audience. Appreciate you guys being here and listening to this and, and you know, live as well. I know everybody's, you know, very busy and got a lot of things going on. So, so very much appreciate um, you being there. Or if you, you're not able to speak, um, I don't know, maybe <laughs> you're at work or something as well. Um, you can do like what Anna did as well. Feel free to just, you know, throw a question in the, in the chat for the meeting and we can also uh, cover it that way. And um, so while we wait for that, Sequoia, I did want to ask you, so this was one thing I was kind of curious about, right? You mentioned part, part of your bio, right, is you're, you're a, a breathwork facilitator. And I was kind of curious, wanted to maybe learn more about, like, what exactly is breathwork? And, you know, how did you discover it? And, you know, I guess, how has it helped you? Or, you know, what, what, what did you really want to become, you know, somebody that actually facilitates it as well? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we could definitely invite a whole nother uh, group conversation, <laughs> which I could talk about that. But um, uh, in somewhat quick fashion, uh, I actually got so my mother, you know, lost my mother at a very young age. Um, I really wanted to understand why people would do something like that and a little bit about the psychological condition. Um, I started reading college level psychology books at like nine or 10 years old, which perhaps wasn't the wisest thing to do. Um, But I started reading those books and those actually brought me to Buddhism uh, and spirituality. Um, So I started reading books, uh, you know, the Tao Te Ching, um, some of the sutras, things like that at a very young age and came into real recognition with the power of the breath. And it's actually funny because this was, this would have been about uh, 20 years ago, um, where there wasn't as much science bridging, uh, science and breath work. Uh, and I saw that psychology and breathing were like intimately, intimately linked. Um, so I've always had a fascination and draw towards meditating, breathing. Um, and I was at a point where I was kind of like, oh man, I, I want to be able to bring the breath to people. So I was like, what do I want to do? I was like, maybe I'll be a meditation instructor. Uh, maybe I'll do yoga, all these things. And I was like, well, breath is the foundation well, of all of life. So I did some research and was able to find a school, Sacred Breath Academy, shout out, um, that really worked with the breath. Uh, and what they were doing is, you know, it's nervous system led, uh, parasympathetic driven and trauma informed, uh, to break those out a little bit more, uh, our nervous system goes into two realms. We have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, sympathetic fight or flight, parasympathetic rest, relaxation, and regeneration. 
uh, when a trauma or hardship happens in our life, uh, we usually go into fight or flight, right? You're driving down the road, someone slams on the brakes, uh, you go into your sympathetic response. It's a perfectly good thing to happen um, because you want your adrenaline and cortisol and everything to increase so you can respond to that situation. Um, the thing is, most people get caught in a sympathetic response, right? Someone could send me a text or maybe I post something on my story and it doesn't get the likes I want. People can go into that sympathetic nervous system response, which essentially is not very healthy for you uh, and can cause a lot of degeneration. Um, so what conscious connected breath can do and conscious connected breath is just um, one fluid breath. So you're consciously controlling your breath in through the nose, out through the mouth, uh, without pause. And in doing that, you can actually raise your oxygen levels uh, and actually deepen your brainwave and state into a place of a more meditative and then into our theta state, which goes a little bit more into your subconscious. Um, these are a lot bigger subjects, but I'll say through the breath, you can actually help relax your body um, be a little bit more stress-free. And in going through breath work, you can actually come to a place where you're able to face and lean into those traumas or hardships in your life and see them from a different perspective. Um, and when you're able to see them from a different perspective, uh, that's hopefully when we can begin to integrate, allow them the space to express and be themselves. Um, because if we try to address a trauma in a trauma state, right? We're trying to fight fire with fire at that point. So through breath work, we can actually relax, settle everything down and be able to see things from a different perspective, which hopefully can allow some integration, as I talked about, really being able to fully express yourself. Wow. That, that sounds... That's hopefully an elevator pitch for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, and it was a fantastic one as well. I mean, I, I feel like I, so I wasn't what you want to suggest, like maybe you should host a, a space sometime, but <laughs> I'm glad to help promote it, you know, to just do some, some breath work. I, I'd love to, you know, to just to, to do some of that. I mean, I, I've done a little bit of like meditation and, and breathing, but this seems like it's um, definitely like another, an, another level <laughs> of probably what I've been exposed to. Absolutely. And I think, I think it has a, little, a lot to do with uh, embodiment as well, right? I, I love meditating. Um, I do it all the time for many years now. Uh, the thing, though, is what happens when you're not in a meditative state, right? So I can meditate and be in my Zen place and have myself Feggio beats on all day. But how do I respond to life? when I'm not in that state. And that's, that's the important thing for just breath in general, uh, just life, right? Like we can be in a very Zen, positive, happy, go lucky state. Um, but an important step is to actually embody that in life, right? Um, I could be the happiest person in the world when I meditate, but I get out of my meditation and someone says something shitty to me. Um, and my first reaction is to react and yell at them. And then I'm like, I got to go meditate again. It's like, okay, so um, we're putting a Band-Aid, um, you know, on something that's actually broken. So just a, a thing to be conscious of is mm -hmm. how are we embodying that practice in everyday life? Because the breath is always there. And it's also an autonomous feature in the body, um, which means it will happen no matter what we do. But it's also the only autonomous thing within all of our existence or body um, that we can actually consciously control as well. And that therefore becomes a gateway to some pretty deep things in life wow thank you thank you for sharing that that's that's yeah so cool and uh i, I didn't get any other i think requests from folks i don't see anything in the chat i did have maybe one other kind of closing question if you have a, a few more minutes to stay on sequoia or oh yeah i'm yep i'm yeah, chilling. You're good you're good okay you're chilling <laughs> so uh so i know you recently and actually this is how i think we, we kind of came in, in contact was because from from this particular tweet you you posted out that you said you were um you know last month i think already a few weeks ago right you were leaving your um your corporate career right and it was like the last day and you said you were were leaving your corporate career to kind of like live creatively every day you know sketch paint do digital art you know and um and kind of approach you know, people experiences with curiosity. And, and I was kind of curious, you know, from your perspective, you know, where do you see this new path in your life taking you? And what role do you see uh, Web3 playing in any of it? 
Absolutely. Um, in terms of where I see it going, mm-hmm. um, you know, I see it. I see it coming with uh, perhaps some struggles at the beginning here. I, when I say struggles, uh, a big thing for me is um, really stepping out of my comfort zone um, and into this place where things aren't as secure and stable for me. Um, Right. Being able to I really have to put myself out there. Uh, I think that's a big thing that I'm having to do, even with spaces like this. Like I always like to say, I, I'm totally fine to go paint and create stuff uh, in my cave. Um, but it's actually coming out of the cave and speaking with the art community and getting myself out there. That's actually really uncomfortable um, for me. So I see this as an opportunity for me to not only get out of my comfort zone, um, but actually step towards what I've always wanted to create, which is a community in which people are able to fully express themselves. Um, you know, there's a place called industry city. Um, I believe it's in Flatbush area, uh, out in New York, but, uh, essentially a bunch of people came together, um, and they built a space where, you know, there's woodworkers, there's artists, there's painters, there's breweries, there's dance studios, I want to be able to create a space where people can come and be creative and expressive. And not only to that point, I want them to be able to collaborate or have the opportunity to collaborate and be as inspired by other artists. So in terms of what I see happening in the future, um, whether that be through doing murals or commissions or paintings, um, building and creating a space, a community where people can come together uh, and really be themselves uh, and be curious about the world um, and what other people are doing, not being caught in any one box, right, or identity, as we talked about earlier. How I see the Web3 space uh, playing into this, um, I mean, I've recently started getting a lot more into digital art, and I actually, for a long time in my life, was really, really opposed to digital art. Um, I saw it as you know, the traditional artists, I saw it as, you know, maybe it was lazy or not creative. And oh, you can outline the stuff instead of just do it yourself. I saw it from this very critical eye. But it wasn't until I started doing digital art that I realized it's an it's another form of creativity and expression and creativity and expression don't care how you're doing it. They just want the opportunity to breathe and be free. Um, so I see Web3 as another opportunity for me to, and digital art, uh, this community is another opportunity to express myself. What I see Twitter spaces like this doing uh, is something I've always been eager for, uh, yet in that eagerness never actually strove to connect with it, um, is ultimately community and artists supporting artists. Um, people like yourself having me on, uh, I see it as a very connected web. Um, you know, to the same point of disclaimer for myself, I don't want it to be the only thing I rely on without actually creating the art myself. So it's twofold, obviously create the art, make it, make it your own, but also be willing and open to connect with other people in the industry, support them as well. And then you'll be supported in turn, right? You reap what you sow kind of thing. Love that, man. And, uh, I would love to be a part of that, you know, community where people can be able to fully express themselves. So I <laughs> uh, would love to see, uh, I'm excited to see, you know, where, where you take that and, um, and where, you know, um, what comes out of that, that, that you're looking to create. So, man, thank, thank you so much for, you know, for being here on, on the, on the space today. And I mean, sharing so much about your story, being vulnerable and, and sharing so much great value. And I think this is such an, you know, a lot of the, the topics we touch on are so important, you know, around, you know, mental health and, um, you know, overcoming you know, adversity that you've overcome, you know, so, so really appreciate you, you sharing. And, and I believe, I think I saw in your, um, I think when, in our DMs that you, you are, you have now minted something as well. Um, and I was trying to check back here through my, my links right but uh you yeah. finally got something out there right you want to you want to maybe pin it up so people can see as well yeah so i'd finally uh i finally did my my first mint fully stepping in so this is my first space and my first mint uh on the same day um wow. but it's a a series called comfort zone um and it has to do with you know stepping out of your comfort zone this one in particular is talking this concept of free fall um which is you know 
stepping into the unknown, uh, whatever may be coming, uh, and really touching into this realm of potentiality uh, and everything you can be. Uh, to that same point, uh, this is on manifolds. Uh, it's going to be a part of actually a series of pieces. Um, so in buying this first piece, uh, you can actually use that as a key and gateway to get the future pieces in this series. Um, so I'm very excited for it. Um, any support is always welcome for such a thing. Uh, I'm also not good at Twitter, so I don't know how to pin necessarily. But I, do I, know no, I did. I got you. I got you. Okay. <laughs> I just I uh, pinned it up. Yeah, That's but uh, yeah, I mean, it's very exciting. Uh, like I said, <laughs> even me being on this space and this day in general uh, is me stepping out of my comfort zone. Uh, so hopefully this series and this piece uh, inspires others to continually right, step out of that comfort zone because – as I'm sure we've all learned, that's really where growth and transformation happens uh, is when we get out of the norm uh, and what makes us most safe. And 100% agree with that. And I, uh, yeah, I'm so glad you're, you know, finally, uh, you know, you're, you're doing that. You're putting yourself out of your comfort zone, coming on the space here, minting your first, uh, putting your first drop out there in your collection. And man, I'm, I'm uh, very happy to see you because I, I think your art is, is fantastic. I love all the, you know what what you convey with it as well and uh, i think it's also just just beautiful all right well i mean thank you everyone for coming and listening to me and you know uh thank you for everything for having me on this space and you know my invitation for everyone is to just you know um express yourself free free feel free to ramble and you know get into your passions i don't think it's something we should apologize for it's just be yourself and you know let the world uh see exactly who you are and, and grow through it. Um, so thank you everyone for being on. I'm not the person who's supposed to say that, but just my, my gratitude and thanks <laughs> for you all being here. You can say it. There are no rules there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right, man. Have a wonderful Friday, wonderful weekend. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Bye y'all.